Get ready to hear some noise tonight. You're about to go behind enemy lines with the original Blues Hockey Podcast. Let's go Blues Radio. This is Let's Go Blues Radio, Behind Enemy Lines. This is Season 8, Episode 32, Franchise Episode All-Time, Number 218. Of course, as I've started every show of this series, I want to thank the Wild and Free for the use of their song, Fire. And uh, I mentioned on the last episode, check them out on the web. I think I was correct with the name of the website. It is the Wild and Free Band. Com, the Wild and Free Band.com. Uh, check them out live whenever they perform live. Uh, any new music they release on YouTube pretty quickly after they record it. Again, I, I'm a curmudgeon when it comes to, to music, and uh, it's hard for me to find local stuff that I really, really like outside of the urge. And uh, man, they're great. I love them. So uh, definitely. Big thanks to them. I've loved using their song all summer. So uh, thank you, Wild and Free. Also, of course, a big thanks goes out to Tom Calhoun, the guy you hear at the start of every single Let's Go Blues radio, even the live shows, paguytom.com. That's paguytom.com. And uh, he does some books on tape. He'll record books on tape for you. He'll MC events for you. Whatever you want to use him for, he's there. And Tom, anyone who's been to a Blues game or even heard the announcements in the background on TV, know that Tom does a phenomenal job and one of the best in the biz. So, again, thank you, Tom, for all the work you put into our show and for being the voice of the show. Uh, one of the first things people hear when they tune into Let's Go Blues Radio. So, again, Tom Calhoun, PAGuyTom.com. One last time, folks, I'm going to tell you to check out the letsgoblues.com shop and buy yourself a reasonably priced shirt, mug, or sticker. All proceeds go back into the show. And if you haven't checked it out in a while, Kurt has some pretty cool shirts up there, so make sure you check it out. Also, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen at letsgoblues.com slash radio, letsgobluesradio.com. Basically, any formation you can think of, uh, you, you just type that into your your uh, Ask Jeeves or um, Alta Vista, and uh, it'll come up with whatever one you want. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, uh, please rate us five stars. Helps people find the show, so thank you very much. Uh, one more house cleaning note before we get into the first segment of the show. I uh, want to mention this one last time on the Behind Enemy Lines series, the Stanley Ponder Cup Memorial Tournament. Uh, again, it's uh, this is the fourth annual We've done this every year um, for the last four years, obviously. Uh, November 23rd at 2 o'clock. It's at Midwest Sport Hockey in Queenie Park. Player signups are still going. We are starting to see a little bit of an influx 
and people signing up. Uh, I think this weekend we had three. And uh, again, I know I've said this on the show before. If you're interested in playing, signups do start going quick. I think right now we're at like 21 spots left, uh, individual player signups. So if you are interested in playing, go on and sign up because I'm not kidding. Once the ball starts rolling, it rolls quick. Uh, there was one time I remember we had 18 spots left and they were gone in four days. So once people kind of start saying, oh, it's time to sign up for that tournament, the, the spots go quick. So, uh, And, of course, if you're not wanting to play or if you're interested in playing and want to know what else is going on, um, we've got a couple other items up for raffle that are great. I mentioned before the Bennington jersey, the Lundquist Sweden jersey, uh, some NHL tees, one that says drunk as whole, which is great. Um, and then just some other stuff I know that we've had contribute throughout the years. Uh, people kind of submit baskets that they've made with alcohol or uh, gift cards places, uh, always some really cool stuff, not just NHL-themed stuff. So uh, make sure you come check that out. I think last year we had a lot of workout apparel, which was great, provided by my employer, X-Hockey Products. Uh, that was kind of a big sell. So, yeah, make sure you uh, come check us out. November 23rd, 2 o'clock, Midwest Sport Hockey in Queenie Park. Well, folks, let's do this one last time. We got the season coming up, so Gloria will be retired. So let's keep that party going one more time. Of course, Keep the Party Going is the segment where you, the listener, write into me, the host, and uh, tell me how you're celebrating or how you celebrated, I guess at this point, the Blues Championship, uh, what it's meant for you, what it's meant for your family, your friends, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, we've we've uh, filled up a lot of episodes with emails uh, in this series, and, and it's been great. And I've, I've loved reading every single one of them. I know, as I said before, Kurt and Bill read every single one as well. They don't just hear me read it on the shows. And we really appreciate hearing from everybody. We love hearing the stories, how your how this affected you, you know? Because, again, we're all different people. It affects us differently. It's cool to think, like, you know, that, you know, this affected me in this way and affected someone else in a completely different way. And it's just fun hearing these stories. So, again, thank you uh, to everyone who has contributed. And I uh, have told people that uh, if you want to still write in for the last episode, I'll read as many emails as I get. I did only get one still, so I'm going to read this one. But um, I will go ahead and extend that. But if you want to go ahead and contribute to this segment, we'll keep it going in the uh, in the, the live shows that will start up uh, this, this coming week. So if you do want to write in, you're like, man, I missed the, missed the deadline. If you still want to, we'll, 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 we'll oblige. We'll gladly oblige because, like I said, this has been a fun segment to do. So this week, and I, I guess I should mention, radio at letsgoblues.com. Just email that over to radio at letsgoblues.com. So this week, we're going to hear from Kim. And um, again, I'm going to tell you where she's from. She doesn't tell me this, but this is just what I know. Kim from Guadalajara. So Kim, from all the way from Guadalajara, thank you for writing in. She says... Hello all, I discovered the podcast since the Stanley Cup win and have been keeping the party going for myself by listening to all recent old episodes, so I thought I'd go ahead and contribute my story to the podcast. So this is somebody who found us after the Blues won the Cup, so I am very happy to hear from you, Kim. Um, you have kept the party going by listening to me all summer, so that's, hey, kudos to you, that's fantastic. Uh, I, I feel for you for not having to, uh, for having to put up with 
this guy. But uh, no, Kim, that's great. Thank you very much for tuning in. I'm glad you found us. And make sure you stick with us all season because we will be having a live show every week that is podcasted uh, the next day. So if we record on a Wednesday, it'll be up on Thursday. So uh, again, just want to voice that for anybody who might be a new listener and might wonder what we're going to do this season. Uh, yeah, it's typically what we do. The summer episodes are, are a little different. Back to Kim. I feel like I had a slightly different entry into hockey than a lot of people. I grew up in southern Indiana, where not only was hockey far behind basketball and football in popularity, but in any list of sports, hockey would have been dead last, even if you threw in made-up sports. No one in my family liked hockey, and in fact, I remember having a conversation with my mom a few months before I got into the sport, where we both agreed that it was stupid and just an excuse for people to fight on skates. This was, of course, without having ever watched a single minute of the sport. Even though I didn't have any interest in hockey, I knew who Wayne Gretzky was, and he was actually the reason I got into the sport. During the 92-93 season, he was struggling with back issues enough there was an article about him in one of the educational science magazines that we read when I was in 6th grade. Because of that article, when I accidentally came across that year's All-Star game, I didn't change the channel. I know a lot of people don't like the All-Star game, but that sparked an interest. I followed the 1993 playoffs closely, jumping on the Kings bandwagon, and absolutely fell in love with the sport. Kim, side note that I wanted to share with you, um, in case you were unaware, it's kind of funny you mentioned that you're from Indiana. Uh, I don't know exactly how close you are to Indianapolis, uh, and you might already know this. I might be telling you something you know, but hey, maybe somebody else doesn't know this. Wayne Gretzky actually played, uh, God, it was only like five or ten games in Indianapolis in the WHA. Uh, he played with the Indianapolis Racers. Um, I, like I said, I think it was like five or eight or nine games or something. Um, so it's funny that you mentioned that you fell in love with it because of Wayne Gretzky. And uh, I don't know if you realize that he played in Indiana in, in professional hockey. So uh, very cool. And that was obviously probably before your time, but uh, just a, an interesting little tidbit for you since you fell in love with the sport because of Mr. Gretzky. She continues, eventually I decided to follow the Blues because they were the closest team, even though they were two and a half hours away and rarely on TV, as we only received the national broadcast on ESPN and ABC. Then in 1996, not only was my favorite player, Gretzky, traded there, but I went to my first ever hockey game. I didn't realize that my love for the game could grow even more, but even though it was a random February game, seeing a game in person was a revelation. I started following the team more closely aided by the internet and my little 56k modem. I even tried to follow some games on KMOX with a staticky connection on the radio and constantly buffering feed online. And of course, all that was ruined by the goal. Gotta come up every freaking show, doesn't it? The next few years, I was able to go to more and more Blues games, and despite the constant heartbreak, my passion for the team solidified. When it was time to go to college, I ended up in St. Louis because of the Blues. I went to Blue Liner events, Dream Night with the Blues uh, games. I joined a couple of Blues forums, including Kurt's Let's Go Blues forum. Hey, I'm there too. Yeah, very cool. Good to have you. And even joined a team. It was a great time to be a fan until Bill Laurie pouted, took his toys, and left the team to rock. I still went to games. By the 2007-2008 season, I was starting to think that I'd lost my passion for the game. I ended up getting a ticket to the All-Star Game in Atlanta in 2008, had a blast, and realized the passion for the game was still there, but the Blues had been bad for so long, their games were just a way to pass time. Eventually, the Blues seemed to be on the upswing again. Hitch came in, and they started to make the playoffs once more. 
though the team continued to stomp on my heart every postseason. 2016 seemed to be the start of something, and I thought it might be the beginning of another era of success, but then 2018 happened. I never liked Yo back from his days of walking out of the team practice in Minnesota. I never thought anyone should have been announced as a coach-in-waiting, and I would have preferred that Kirk Muller or Barubi, both of whom had done their time with the organization, anyone but Yo. Reach into the choir there, Kim. This is, if you want to go back and listen to some episodes, listen to when that was announced, because... Yeah, Woo. we uh, we were not happy about that either. She continues, By the time Yo was fired, I openly admit that I had both feet firmly in the lose for Hughes camp as the team was a mess and the games were a farce. I remember an early home game last year where the Blues game controlled the puck in their zone. O'Reilly went off to the races looking for a long pass. That never came. The rest of the Blues were aimlessly skating in their own zone still. That was just how the games were early on. The crowd booing the team off the ice and the woos basically being equivalent to Bronx cheers. Ruby saying that the entire team played horribly in a press conference after a December game against was a highlight of the first three months because he said that we'd been feeling for about three months. He said what uh, we'd been feeling for the last three months. A few weeks after that, after the team flipped the switch, I found myself finally looking forward to going to games again. I remember going to the game against New Jersey in February, which they won 8-3, and it felt like a completely different team. I still had my moments where I thought the team was going to fall back to earth, but then Game 5 against the Jets happened. Game 6 versus the Stars happened, and then somehow Jamie Benn didn't score in Game 7 when everyone in the building thought he must have. By the time the Blues lost the hand pass game, the larger part of me thought the adversity of the bad call couldn't have been a good thing, and I think it was. The team did so well with adversity, even the tornado warning minutes before Game 6 versus the Sharks seemed to be a good omen. At the end of that game, I was having so much fun that although I wanted them to win the Cup, had they been swept in the finals, I would still count that as a glorious year. Back when the Blues seemed to have turned it around with Bacchus, a young Tarasenko, all the others that the Blues actually drafted instead of signing past their prime, I remember hearing Drake's started from the bottom for the first time and thought I'd be great if thought it would be great if the team could win with that core as they basically did start from nowhere. I never could have imagined them living that song the way they did this season. In fact, despite getting a tattoo to celebrate the win, going to the rally in the arch grounds, buying ridiculous amounts of merchandise, it's still hard to believe that it actually happened. I used to mock the fans of successful teams, Red Wings in the 90s, Blackhawks more recently, about being a bunch of bandwagoners, but you know what? I'm still okay with the bandwagon Blues fans because they finally did it. The Blues are Stanley Cup champions. Thanks for reading and thanks for doing the podcast. Kim from Guadalajara. Uh, Kim, thank you very much for writing in. And again, it's it's very cool to hear that you found the show over the summer. Um, that's kind of why I, I decided to do this over the summers, hoping, you know, hey, not a lot of other Blues podcasts are releasing stuff, especially as frequently as I did this summer, uh, which, again, I told a story that it was not planned. I, I came up with this idea when the Blues were terrible, and I thought, oh, yeah, you know, that'll have some content over the summer. 30 episodes, that's fine. You know, they're going to be out in April. Yeah, it didn't happen. It's uh, shortest postseason ever for the Blues. So, uh, again, you know, this is, uh, it, it's really great to hear from from you guys. And, and again, I know I've, I've said this before, that we really enjoy uh, hearing from everybody, hearing about how they're celebrating. And um, it's just, it's funny to, to hear somebody from Indiana. I, I want to say, um, oh, he's going to hate that I'm going to remember him like this. But 
Uh, there was a guy who joined our live shows a lot last year, and I know he's still listening. Uh, he always had a, a giant jug of orange juice, and I want to say he's from Indiana. Um, and it's just funny hearing from these people that you know are in Indiana, where hockey's not really a, a big thing, as you mentioned. Um, finding the Blues and finding him on KMOX, and um, again, you talk about the All Star Game, which let's face it, that's what the NHL when when the All Star Game really started coming around. That was an event to try and get more fans. Like, hey, look, this is the the best of the best here. We're going to show them, uh, you know, skating up and down the ice. And you know, back in the day, they were still a little bit hitting in those games. And you know, now it's it's a little bit more of a of an event for the sponsors. I don't think you're going to um, get a lot of new fans from watching it because it's just you know it's kind of a, a sideshow. But you know, at the same time, it's cool. You know, it's fun to watch, and there's always some cool plays that come from it. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it was, uh, it, it's interesting to, to hear from, from somebody from Indiana becoming a hockey fan. So thank you very much for writing in Kim again. Uh, you know, I, I love that you found us over the summer. Make sure you stay tuned with us. Uh, if you like me, you're going to like Kurt and Bill even better because they are fantastic. And I can't say that enough. Okay. Bill is fantastic. I don't, I don't know about Kurt. Well, our guest for the final episode of Behind Enemy Lines is Cody Bueller from Jets Nation. Uh, this was recorded back on June 19th, so this was shortly after the Blues had won, so I was probably still hungover from the, all the partying I did, but uh, no, it was uh, it was a good interview. We talk a lot about the 2019 series, and then obviously other trades and, and stuff that's happened, the, the team moving from Atlanta and uh, Paul Stastny getting moved there last year. So, uh, yeah, great talk with Cody, and here it is. Today we are talking Winnipeg Jets, and I am joined by Cody Bueller of the Jets Nation podcast. We'll get to Cody here in a minute. First, I want to discuss a couple important stats going into the Blues and Winnipeg Jets. Uh, All-time record between these two teams. Now, keep in mind that this is uh, the current Winnipeg Jets, also the former Atlanta Thrashers franchise. Uh, the Blues have uh, 42 games played against this version of the Jets. They are 22-12-1-7, the one being the ties and the seven being overtime losses. First meeting uh, for the Blues against the Atlanta Thrashers was on February 15th, 2000, and that was a 4-1 win for the Blues. For those that uh, remember the Slovak pack, Pavel Dimitra, Michael Hanzus, and Lubos Bartechko scored all four goals and had five points on the night, and that included two shorthanded goals from Michael Hanzus, uh, Jamie McLennan for the Blues, uh, 13 saves on 14 shots in the victory. Uh, the first meeting against the Winnipeg Jets came as uh, the Jets were a member of the Southeast Division when they moved from Atlanta. Uh, that was on February 25th, 2012. In Winnipeg, and that was a 3-2 shootout win. Andy McDonald and David Perron scored in the shootout to give the Blues the victory. And Yaroslav Halak made 39 saves on 41 shots to get the W. So obviously uh, a very long franchise uh, here, well, 2000. But um, but you go back to hockey in Winnipeg, and obviously there's there's a little bit of the the history between the Blues and the, the old Jets, the Thomas Steen, the Dale Howarchuk Jets. Um, Cody, how far back do you go? Do you remember those days? See, and this is, I was going to kind of bring this up and I didn't want to cut you off while you're doing your rundown of the stats. Uh, for me as a Jets fan, I kind of ignore a lot of the Atlanta Thrashers stuff. 
And so, <laughs> in my opinion, I consider them city records. City records, city stats, city everything. And so, for the Atlanta Thrashers, in my opinion, the Atlanta Thrashers died when they left Atlanta, and the Winnipeg Jets resumed when they came back to Winnipeg. The Winnipeg Jets, in my opinion, died when they went to Arizona and then just came back to life in 2011. That's how I look at it. And I know there are a lot of Jets fans here in Manitoba as well. And so whenever media always tries to pull up, oh, man, the all-time goals leader is uh, Ilya Kovalchuk. I'm like, no, nobody in Winnipeg knows and loves Ilya Kovalchuk. They remember Keith Kachuk. They remember Dale Howardchuk. Those are the guys that people in Winnipeg remember because they were here. And the whole keeping the same name really just makes it even more so the Winnipeg Jets 1.0, Winnipeg Jets 2.0 is all just kind of one. And now they've started to recognize the old Jets and honor them with this new franchise. There's no Ilya Kovalchuk uh, remembrance night when he comes to Winnipeg because, again... (laughs) I don't know. That's just my little rant. And maybe I kind of wanted to get that off the hop. Uh, but I know as far as I'm concerned, the Jets are wearing brand new, but with that old history of the 1.0. I don't know. It gets kind of confusing. No, it does. And, and uh, just so if you want to blame anyone, because while I did these stats, I used hockeyreference.com. Go ahead and send them a nasty email. They probably deserve totally it. blame them. And I don't find that you use them, and a lot of people do. And I, and I know there's even people in Winnipeg that understand and still go with all that. But to me, the rookie goal scoring record is still Timu Sulani, and we uh, still love the original Jets. But for me, I was, uh, I think, in kindergarten or grade one when they moved to Arizona. And so I hadn't really grown up lo- to love the Jets yet. And t- I really only started, I-, I jumped on wholeheartedly when they came back. Oh, I, I can imagine. Yeah, I know that I've, I've talked to a couple Jets fans, and they feel the same way you do. They're not really the Atlanta Thrashers. They just kind of became the same franchise, but different records, different. You know, Don Waddell was never a part of the Winnipeg Jets. So I, I hear you on that. But um, but again, I, I want to give at least a little bit of love to the Atlanta Thrashers because otherwise they'll they'll never be mentioned on any of my shows. And see, as far as I'm concerned, like the Atlanta Thrashers, they were also the Atlanta Flames. I don't know if you remember them. I'm a, I like hockey history. But oh, yeah. the Atlanta Flames, the Atlanta Thrashers should all have one record book that's closed until another team comes to Atlanta. And so for Colorado, the Colorado Rockies, I think that was their team before. That should be their yes. history. And so to me, this because the people who follow the team have followed all the teams there. To me, that would just make sense. But again... I digress. We can move on. I like that. I like that to to say that it should belong to the city. Maybe that's a, something, a petition we can start with the NHL to start keeping records properly. Hey, if you want to start it, I'll be the first guy to sign it. There you go. I like that. Uh, so, again, we do are going to talk a little thrashers here. And this is just you say you're a hockey historian. So I'm sure, sure yeah. you remember some of this. Uh, to a degree. Yeah. <laughs> not a, not to uh, Stan Fischler's level, but uh you do you do know your hockey history. Yeah. Uh, if you go if you go back to February twenty-fifth, two thousand seven, that was a big day in St. Louis because that was again another season where the Blues basically admitted defeat. Uh Keith Kachuk, someone you had already mentioned, a former member of the Winnipeg Jets, the original Winnipeg Jets. Uh he was traded from the Blues to the Atlanta Thrashers for basically uh I mean what, what we can say now is I guess spare parts. Um, and he goes on and, and, you know, the reason the trade was made was, uh, was because the, 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 the thrashers were, were looking good for the first time in their franchise's history. They finished that year first in the Southeast. 
uh, going to the playoffs with Keith Kachuk there and other other just great players that they had. They had uh, Kerry Letton in a net, but swept by the New York Rangers in the first round. Only playoff appearance in Thrasher's history before they move on to Winnipeg. Um, so kind of talking about this in, in just in general for, for you, Cody, you get the Atlanta Thrashers. They moved to Winnipeg. You look at, at the history that that franchise already had. I mean, what were your thoughts? Oh, my God, this is going to take 15 years for them to rebuild, or is yeah. there some pieces here we can work with? There was not a lot of optimism. I remember when they came back. I remember when they made the announcement uh, being just a hockey fan with no NHL team for so long. Um, I worked at the radio station already then, and I remember seeing there was this meter that was online of likelihood of the Winnipeg Jets coming back. And I said, I am not going to believe that meter until I hear the official announcement that the Jets are actually legitimately coming back. And at that time, we didn't know they were the Jets. It was just an NHL team. They didn't actually announce the Jets' name until the uh, entry draft when they took Mark Shifley. And I remember hearing with the first pick, the Winnipeg Jets, and then there was that big announcement, and very exciting. And I loved the new logo and everything once they unveiled that. But uh, when we saw the Atlanta team that was coming to Winnipeg, uh, there wasn't a ton of optimism. They were uh, pretty bad. Um, I remember Brian Little being one of the highlights, uh, Blake Wheeler, Dustin Bufflin, Evander Kane. And I remember seeing these guys. I'm like, okay, there are some okay guys, but I definitely had to go online and check. I'm like, wait, who's on this Atlanta team? Because yeah. I, I don't know if I'd ever really seen much of an Atlanta Thrashers game. I was a Canucks fan. And so they played the Thrashers like once or twice. They never met in the playoffs. Like I didn't watch a lot of Atlanta Thrashers hockey. And so I had to do some research, figure out who these players were. And then I actually, um, I, a funny story. I mistakenly got an Evander Kane jersey uh, when they came back. Because I wanted, I was like, okay, I want a Jets jersey. Who do I pick? And so... I was like, well, I'm not a huge Bufflin fan at the time. Blake Wheeler hadn't stepped up like what we see him now. I was like, maybe little. I don't know what Shifley's going to turn into. He had just been drafted. And so I'm like, I'm going to go with Evander Kane. He's young. He's up and coming. He's going to be the guy, the future of the future of the Winnipeg Jets. I was pretty wrong with uh, <laughs> with that one. And I kind of regretted it literally the next season or the season after. And uh, yeah, I changed it. I took the Kane off and it's now an Andrew Kopp jersey. because he's Oh, also boy. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. That's smart. That was, I, yeah. That was change. That, that's always the tough part for me. Like, uh, you know, whenever there's a rookie coming up, I remember when Eric Johnson was drafted by the blues, mm, yeah. I had a couple friends that were instantly like, I'm going to go get a Johnson Jersey. And I'm like, just wait, just give it one or two years. And, and then of course he gets traded for Kevin Shattenkirk and those people, what am I going to do with my Johnson Jersey? Like I probably should have gotten it in the first place, but with it being a, a new franchise coming, coming to you you wanting a jersey for opening night, I can see how that is a very tough decision to make for someone in your position. Yeah, no, absolutely. So how many jerseys do you have personally? Do you have a nice oh. of blues jerseys? Oh my, I feel I always feel like such a nerd, but but you know what, you're a hockey fan. Uh I've got twenty seven jerseys. Nice. I'm very jealous over here because I love jerseys as well. I don't have nearly the collection. I've got maybe five or six. Okay. Actually, Jets jerseys only got two. I've got because uh, I was a Canucks fan for a long time before the Jets came back. Because in Winnipeg, you have to pick a team, and so right. I was a hardcore Canucks fan until the Jets came back. Uh, so I've got a couple Canucks. I've got a Team Canada jersey, a couple Jets, 
And then actually, no, I've got th- three connects. I don't know. You, you lose track. Right. Actually, oh yeah. No. I've definitely lost track. I, I've got uh, about, I think 15 to 16 blues jerseys and the rest are just NHL jerseys. So I do have the original Winnipeg Jets Jersey actually. Nice. With the, I'm, a, like, I'm a big fan. White or blue? The white. Very nice for a whiteout party. That'd be great. Oh yeah. Yep. That's what I, that's the reason I got it. I got it. Uh, when they first came back, uh, I said, I'm going to go get one of those vintage jerseys. Cause if I ever go up to Winnipeg, I want to be able to fit into the whiteout. So have you come up to a whiteout party yet? I have not yet, but I will. I know I will. Jets. It's blue on my bucket list. Year. Like it should have, you should have came this year when it was Jets blues. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll admit, I mean, even though they're in the division and, and obviously we're going to talk about the playoff meeting that we just had uh, earlier this year. Um, I, I, I've always respected the Jets. I love their fans. Um, I remember the Katy Perry chance to Corey Perry, who's in the news today. We've had some um, just some great ones. And then the uh, the picture there. I don't know if you saw it, the picture of Vladimir Tarasenko and like the, the pink sweater during the playoffs. I mean, just everything that the Jets fans do, I just love it. They're so passionate, and it makes me just really want to go to a game and, and fit in with the crowd. The atmosphere is unreal, I will say. Uh, I haven't gone to a ton of other buildings, uh, but I was there that first season. It was actually the second win since they came back to Winnipeg, the second win of the regular season ever. It was against Carolina, so you're thinking Jets-Carolina, not the biggest ticket, but the building, of course, it's it's almost always packed. And I was there, lower bowl, great seats. The atmosphere in there was unbelievable. Just having a team back. A lot of people, it was their first game. It was my first game back. Amazing. Loved it. That's something I'll definitely remember for a very long time. So you mentioned that you'd become a Canucks fan um, after the Jets had left, in between the two Jets franchises being a part of Winnipeg. Um, What was that like when the Jets came back? Did you instantly just... I mean, not literally, but but take your Canucks jerseys and throw them in the fire, or are they still kind of like a second favorite team? See, it's tough because I was originally born in BC, and my dad was a Canucks fan, and so we moved to Manitoba basically at the exact same time that the Jets left, and so I just stayed a Canucks fan. And so being from BC, having that Canucks connection, it was just kind of like I'm cheering for my hometown team in a sense because there was nothing in Winnipeg. But once I've been in Manitoba for so long, I was like, yeah, I love it here in Manitoba. And then now that the Jets come back, I was like, man, how am I going to do this? Because I was a lifelong Canucks fan in my mind. But really, I'm just a lifelong hometown fan. And so Winnipeg and Manitoba, this is my hometown, my home province now. And so the first time they met, I was kind of torn. I wore my Canucks hat to the game with my Jets jersey on. Wasn't sure what I was going to feel, but then as soon as the Jets scored, the feeling went straight to the Jets. And so I've, yeah, the Canucks are definitely my second favorite team and I still have a lot of my Canucks stuff, but uh, it's Jets won their tops. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, like I said, Jets are a fun team to watch. I I hate playing against them, but I do love watching them play. Well, yeah, we've had some good uh, rivalry with St. Louis. Yes. Yes, there has been. And that's great. And I wanted to get to that. So 2013, 2014, you mentioned before that, that, that you went to their second uh, franchise win and um, that was against Carolina Hurricanes. That was a division rival at the time. So I'm sure that was, <laughs> I'm, I use rival loosely. Rivals very loose. And because the Jets were bad, like Tim Stapleton was on our fourth line and Tanner Glass. And uh, I remember we had the GST line. It was Glass. Slater and Thorburn 
And those are three names. I guess you guys would know Thorburn now because he was with you guys. But the GST line, everybody would chant GST, which in, in Canada is government sales tax is what it stands for. And so, but uh, the GST line, that's like, we were bad. And so we didn't really have, we weren't good enough to make the playoffs. We didn't really have a rivalry that way. Once we finally did, we were swept by Anaheim. So there was kind of like a little mini rivalry with Anaheim. But it's kind of taken a while for us to get rivalries uh, going. And I think r- playoffs is where you get rivalries from. And so now I think we're finally starting to get some of that. Yeah, like I said, 2013-2014, you make the correct move over to the Central Division. Um, and uh, obviously, since then, the NHL has realigned. But you're still in the Central. You got the Blues. You got the Avalanche. Um, I wanted to ask you, did you did you feel, because maybe of the the past Jets, and I know you were younger when they left, but... Did you feel like there was any kind of instant rivalry with the Blues when they first made the move to the Central Division? Um, Honestly, and I know I'm on the Blues podcast, and there's going to be lots of Blues fans listening, I'm sure. I didn't feel that as much, uh, the rivalry with St. Louis. A lot of people who followed the Jets earlier, I know, had the rivalry with Edmonton now that we moved back to the West because it was Gretzky's Oilers beating out the old Jets a lot in the playoffs, and there was a lot of bitterness towards Edmonton, I feel, that the city has still. Uh, obviously not as much nowadays. I feel that this last year's playoffs will finally maybe get a Winnipeg-St. Louis, but I haven't felt much rivalry against St. Louis since we've been back. What have you guys felt on your end? But before this playoffs, I didn't really feel like we were obviously just other than the fact we're in the same division. I didn't really feel tons of it. Or what do you think? No, not really. Um, the way that I looked at Jets and and this is I'm going to go back a little bit when the Columbus Blue Jackets first came into the league and they're in the central division. There was almost an instant rivalry with them because they were they were tough. They always put out tough teams. They had guys that would just pound you into the ice. Yeah, maybe you beat them three one, but you're coming out with broken legs and arms. Um, and I, I looked at the Jets as a more skilled Columbus Blue Jackets team because they they had the, the 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 big buff, you know, they got Wheeler, they got guys out there who can throw their bodies around. And so it's been over the years, I think it's been developing slowly. Um, but at the same time, it's it's like kind of like, okay, we need something to give this a push. And I'll agree with you. I think again, we'll talk here in a second about the 2019 playoffs. Um I think that was the push that this rivalry needed. I think you look at, I mean, I want to talk to you about game one when uh, Mark Schleifle, uh runs Bennington. Now, whether it was on purpose or not, I know he says it wasn't. I think that was a great, I, I applauded that as, as a Blues fan. I said, that's what I want to see between these two teams. I want to see questionable hits, not where people are getting hurt, but you know what I mean, and yeah. and just... Guys hitting each other, guys sticking up for teammates, going after someone else. That's what I wanted in this in between these two teams. Because I feel like, especially with the Winnipeg fan base, it would be so easy to develop a rivalry where the fans can still have fun with it. And I'm hoping that's what we saw after this first round. So who would you consider your rivals? Uh, like, not counting, let's not say the Jets. Who are you, St. Louis's main rivals, in your opinion? It's got to be the Blackhawks, number one. Okay. Um, number two, I mean, we had a, a long-standing rivalry, rivalry there with the Kings because we kept meeting them in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, but uh, they're probably they've they've kind of fallen into mediocrity, so I take them off the list. Uh, the Wild are probably up there, um, but a lot of Blues fans would probably tell you it's the Nashville Predators, just because I think they're so evenly matched right now. 
All right. And so for the Jets right now, I would say uh, Minnesota, because of the geographical proximity being so close, and it's kind of funny, a lot of Jets fans go down to Minnesota because you can have a weekend away. It's only about a seven-hour drive, which is the closest drive for us for an NHL opposition NHL team. And so you definitely do get some Jets fans going down there for the long weekends and that kind of thing. Um, and plus, we met them in the playoffs uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, for some, well, I just don't like Chicago personally. And so maybe I feel like there's a little bit of a rivalry there. Uh, Nashville, I also feel like there's a rivalry. Again, we met them in that best of seven uh, series two years ago. And because we've kind of been fighting with them for the top spot of the central these last two years, I feel like there's a rivalry building with Nashville. And then, like I said, older fans would kind of go back to Edmonton, but I don't think we currently there is a rivalry there at all. So there's not any kind of like natural rivalry with the other Canadian clubs. Um, I don't feel like it. Um, I know honestly, it's kind of funny, but a lot of fans cheer for a lot of the other Canadian clubs and maybe it's just some kind of like Canadian brotherhood, but there's only a few of us now. And whenever a lot of people I know, as soon as the jets are out, they'll just cheer for the next Canadian team. That's still in the playoffs. And so I don't know where what Blues fans do once the Blues are eliminated, but for a lot of people, and plus, because the Jets were gone so long, so many people have other Canadian teams that they cheer for. When another Canadian team comes to town, there is a lot of that team's jersey in the crowd. I know there's a lot of Calgary fans, and especially Original Six. Toronto comes in and says, like, holy cow, so many Toronto, so many Montreal a lot of those original six teams, but especially the Canadian ones. And so I don't really feel like a Canadian rivalry yet, maybe eventually. Yeah, I would say you uh, what the Blues fans do after they're knocked out in the playoffs, it's typically rooted against the Blackhawks or the Wild or the Predators. So <laughs> I think there was a lot of people rooting for the Jets uh, last year when the Jets and Predators uh, met up in the second round. Fair enough. Yep. Uh, so again, the night 2019 playoffs. Uh, this was this was a, a a big matchup. Um, I know all year it looked like the Jets were going to run away with the Central Division title. We and, were hoping, yeah. And then once the Blues picked it up in, I'd say you know, I'd say probably mid to late February, it looked like okay, they're probably going to catch Dallas and they're going to be locked into that second or third spot and play the Predators. And that's what everybody. It was a foregone conclusion. The Jets are taking number one, Predators, Blues, battle out for two and three, wild card, Dallas, Colorado, whoever's in there. And then all of a sudden, uh, the, the the Blues just keep rolling. The Jets sputter a little bit there at the end of the, the season. Same thing with the Predators. Um, and the Blues just keep on rolling. Everybody knows the historic run they had. Um, and then all of a sudden, last day, I always reference the last day, and even though the Blues ended up finishing in third. Um, there was there was about a three-hour period where they overtook first place, but before the Jets and the Predators played, and because they had an afternoon game against the Canucks and won that game. I remember that day, yep. And that was a huge deal for me because I said, man, they literally went from worst to first. That is I- extremely impressive. And, and at that point, it was, well, any one of these things could happen. The Blues could play the Jets. Blues could play the Predators. Blues could play the Stars. The Blues could play the Avalanche. It was all over the place that last day. And then all of a sudden, the day ends. Lo and behold, Winnipeg Jets are your opponent. Jets take second. Blues take third. Um, what were your thoughts going into the series? Did you think 
this was a favorable uh, matchup for the Jets, or did you think that, uh, oh, no, we're facing the hottest team in the league? Yeah, we didn't really want to play the Blues. Uh, I personally wanted to play Nashville. I was kind of hoping St. Louis was actually going to go to first, and it was going to be Jets-Nashville, because Nashville kind of was in the same predicament that we were. And like you saw, both teams lost out in the first round. The Jets struggled in the last half of the year. And it's always interesting a perspective from another fan base because you're we're not watching the other teams as closely as the the actual fan base is. And so Jets fans were panicking hard going into the playoffs. We suck. We're not going to do very good. We are terrible. Our team is just going down fast and furious. And there was definitely a lot of that panic. And so on the podcast, we try and temper a lot of that panic uh, that people feel and it's really funny, and I don't know how proficient you are on social media. You found us on Twitter, so appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, there's, And I don't know if what you think about this, but there's Twitter fans and there's Facebook fans, and they're completely different. Yes. Do you notice that too? Yes. It's like the Twitter fans, I've found that a lot of the Twitter Jets fans are very uh, analytical and advanced stat guys and are very – critical of Paul Maurice, very critical of uh, the Jets' overall defensive play. And some of the underlying numbers this year were not that good. So there was not as much optimism, especially on that crowd. And they felt that the Jets didn't have the shooting metrics and a lot of the other numbers that they would want going into the playoffs. And so there's that side of the crowd. And then there's Facebook hockey fans, which you see commenting on, I'm sure, Blues Facebook posts and things like that. They are a lot more optimistic, and they see the just the overall numbers. They don't look into the advanced stats. I would say they're probably a little bit more casual. They prefer more of the rough and tumble. They trust Paul Maurice. They trust what the GM's doing, and they say, yes, no, this is going to work out. They're still first for a reason. They're still at the top. They're going to be able to do it. I trust in the Jets. Anybody who hates is wrong, and then the haters say anybody who still loves them is wrong, and then... I find myself often somewhere in the middle between these two groups of fans. Uh, I don't want to be that doomsday person. And I don't want to be the, like the super overconfident. I try and be a hybrid. I like the advanced stats, but I also want to look at some of the stuff with my own eyes. And I recognize there are, are intangibles. I don't know if that really answered your question. And I kind of got off track there for a split second, but like going into that series, personally, I was a little bit hesitant knowing the blues were so hot knowing that the Jets were not. And a lot of times it's the hot team that can go all the way. And there we go. The hot team went all the way and won the cup. That's right. Yep. And, and I, uh, I remember going into that, that series. It was, it was, oh my God, this is the team, the one team the blues didn't want to play. They wanted Nashville. They wanted Colorado. A lot of people didn't want Dallas because the blues didn't match up well with them. But Winnipeg was definitely the team that everybody agreed that's the one team they can't play in the first round because they're just going to wear the Blues out with their physical game. They, they're too skilled. They got Patrick Line just scoring on the power play left and right. That was the team that nobody in St. Louis wanted. And, uh, I mean, obviously, like you said, it turns out Blues win that one in six, and all of a sudden it's, oh, yeah, well, I guess they could beat anybody. And uh, they go up against the Stars, and, and it was, oh, wait a minute, that's the other team we didn't want to play. So, Tough route for the Blues to get there. And, uh, you know, again, just a great series overall for the, for the Blues and Jets. Uh, some, some great moments that I wanted to talk about with you. Uh, first of all, you look at the, the series as a whole. 
Uh, every road team wins except for game six. That's when the Blues took it at home. Um, and uh, it was really odd because the Jets were such a good home team. And, and again, the the uh, the crowd plays such a factor in Winnipeg. It's it's deafening in that in that uh, whiteout crowd. And uh, how shocked were you to see the Blues take the first two games on the road? We were pretty surprised, but again, there was a lot of naysayers coming into the playoffs. I figured the Jets would probably win at least one, uh, and I think one of them we definitely should have. And again, you probably would disagree, but there was definitely uh, one of those games where the Jets looked, I thought, really good. It was just for that late third period collapse. Uh, And again, some of the stats are a little bit hazy right now because I've kind of taken a break after that round from hockey in general and it was unfortunate because my work conflicted with some of the games and I do the play-by-play for the Portage Terriers and we were in our playoffs at the same time and so I only caught I think half of the Jets and Blues series because I was working calling a game at that exact same time so the only thing I could do was look at recaps and scores and highlights and talk to people who were watching the games but when you looked at the regular season for the Jets there was a couple of moments, and especially near the end of the season, where the Jets would have a lead. And I, I think to one game against Minnesota where the Jets had a lead late in the game, but then they gave up the lead and Minnesota scored a couple of quick goals and one in regulation. And we thought, wow, this is terrible. The sky is falling, but maybe the Jets can learn from this and this won't happen to them. But we saw it again in the playoffs. The Jets with a lead late in the third period. It can't hang on. I don't know if it's they just get running around to their own end. They don't put enough pressure on the opposition. But again, it happened, I think, even a couple of times in that series with St. Louis. The Jets just falling apart. And again, again, coming out of your perspective, from the Jets' perspective, it's they're falling apart. What's going on? From the St. Louis perspective, it's probably our team's finally playing better and they're scoring late, probably, right? Is that kind of how... A little. I'll be honest on this show. If you go back and listen to that episode, all three of us said um, the Blues were lucky to get away with two wins there. That that at least one of those should have went to the Jets because we thought the Blues didn't play their best game in Winnipeg. So seeing them come back home with a two nothing lead in two games where we said they could play better than that uh, was kind of a shock for for a lot of Blues fans. Fair enough. And so then when you kind of look back to the series shifting back to Winnipeg, I was again a little bit hesitant down to nothing or back to St. Louis, I guess down to nothing. What's going to happen here? But then the Jets, when they won those two games, optimism in Winnipeg was sky high. They were like, okay, we didn't play great. We maybe should have won a game one and two, but that doesn't matter. The series is tied. It's a best of three. We can do this. And then it just fell apart. And then game six, the Jets did not play well. Credit to the Blues. You guys played great in game six. Um, as far I forget what the final score was, but you guys just looked really solid. We pumped in a couple late to kind of make it interesting, but it was it was all blues, I think, in that one. Like Jets had a hard time getting shots, if my memory serves me correct. Yeah. No, that was a that was a rough game. And, and I'll tell you that um when the uh when the Jets came and took two in St. Louis, and especially that backbreaking uh Kyle Connors OT goal there in uh, game four. Um, I think everyone, it, we talk about conditioning a lot on this show and how Blues fans are just conditioned to believe that the team's just going to crumble. Something's going to happen that's going to make them just, okay, they're done. They're out. I mean, the you look back at the hand pass goal against the San Jose Sharks, Blues fans said, well, that's going to make this team crumble um, because they just, they don't have the mental toughness to overcome something like that, which I think we've seen a, a shift in that. Thanks probably to the head coach and the leadership in the room, but uh, yeah, when when the uh, when the Jets 
came back and tied the series 2-2, I think everybody in St. Louis was, okay, well, they're done. I mean, it was a nice run while it lasted, but Jets are going to take this now because, again, everybody thought the Jets were the better team. Even St. Louis fans thought that. So um, seeing them eke out that that victory in Game 5, I mean, I'll admit that was a game, and this has been well-documented on this show that was the game where I was kind of prepping Blues fans on Twitter. Well, here comes the collapse, guys. You know, the 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 uh, the Jets go up early. Uh, they looked like the better team the first half of the game, really even the first 40 minutes. And uh, it was, okay, guys, here it comes. Just be ready. Um, you know, let's, let's start looking forward to the summer kind of thing. But then the Blues eke that victory out uh, out of nowhere off that uh, great, high tip or low tip, I guess, by Jaden Schwartz with 15 seconds left. And then, of course, the hat trick in game six, uh, which the Blues, to me, that was their best game of the series. You mentioned the Jets struggled to get shots. I thought the Blues looked. Uh, we we talk of uh, uh, the best games the Blues have, have played in the playoffs. I think that's one of them. Seeing them come out in game six with the drive they had, they scored 25 seconds in and then just kind of keep rolling. And like you said, Jets make a late push, but uh, – uh, Jordan Bennington and company come up big and get the victory in that series. I wanted to ask you about something particular in that series. And, and I know we're going back a little, so uh, yeah. if your memory is a little fuzzy, it's fine. Uh-huh. Um, there was, a, there was a, we questioned a little bit of Palmer of uh, uh, Paul Maurice's coaching in huh. the series. Yeah. So we so thought, yeah, that's what I figured uh, game six, but in particular. So if you remember Jaden Schwartz scored a goal, uh, like I said, 25 seconds in, it's a weird like shuffle in the crease. Schwartz kind of pokes it in as as uh, Hellebuck's trying to lay back on the puck. Maurice opts 25 seconds in to use his challenge on that. I thought that was a bad call because it's so early in the game. And if you're wrong, which there's a good chance you are on that play, uh, you're losing your time out. And uh, I know there was a lot of talk that, that uh, Hellebuck – well, uh, skated over and told him, Hey, you got to challenge us. You got to challenge us. But at the same time, my call is you're the head coach. You got to say 25 seconds in, we can't lose a timeout this early. We can't lose our challenge. What if something else happens? Lo and behold, I thought they challenged that second goal. Uh, Pat Maroon in, in the, uh, messing with in, in the crease with Hellebuck, his stick got stuck in his catch glove and Schwartz scores. Um, I think at that point, maybe there's a chance that goal gets overturned, but they didn't have a timeout to use. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting call by Maurice. Yeah, I'm trying to block these from my memory. Now that you mentioned them, (laughs) I remember both plays, and I now, oh, man, bad memories. Uh, I've spent way too much time on my podcast trying to defend Maurice, and we don't defend him super hard, but just from some of the detractors, I don't think he's as bad as some say, and he's probably not as good as others say either. I'm, again, kind of neutral to a degree. Uh, I agree though. That was a bad decision to, especially in hindsight, uh, to challenge that first one. I, I agree with the refs on that first one. Even as a Jets fan, there was no real infraction on that first one. And, and it, yeah, like it wasn't a big deal. And I get pressure from your goaltender. I think maybe what Maurice was thinking was that 25 seconds in, I can't believe there's a goal on us already. Let's take a timeout, settle down, regroup, that even if we lose our timeout, this is him using his timeout to slow the game down. Don't let the Blues have any momentum and energy. Let's just kind of reset completely. Take the time to review it. Take the timeout. 
and then just go on from there and let's be different. It didn't work. Yeah. And obviously, in hindsight, it bit them in the butt because I agree the maroon one was was more egregious than the first. Would they have had that second one overturned? Maybe. And again, it's yeah. only hindsight. You don't know. But I would have challenged that one opposed to the first one. But again, it's hindsight. I can see the, I don't know if you agree with my argument of the take the time out to reset because it's so quickly into the game. But that's just my only thought and my only rationale for his thinking there. That's what I thought too. I thought, okay, yeah, Hellebuck was complaining that that it was a uh, that it was definitely a goalie interference. But I think at, at the time, Marisa saying we got to reset, we can't let the Blues get out this get out too early of a lead and and get too 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 far behind here. So I get that rationale as a coach. But again, the way that I look at it as you know, you've got nineteen minutes and and thirty five seconds left in the game. You know, I mean, sorry. Uh, 59 minutes and 35 seconds left in the game. I mean, there's going to be another play where you might want to challenge or you may want to have a timeout. Um, I just thought that was a, an interesting call by Maurice to use it that early on on such a, a questionable, uh, what I would consider a, a questionable call to use your goalie interference challenge. Okay, here's a question I have uh, for you as a Blues fan, and it's a completely different perspective as a Jets fan. And now that we're heading into offseason, and I don't know if you wanted to get into all of this kind of stuff yet, uh, but what are your thoughts? And maybe go back to maybe my earlier statement about the uh, Twitter fans versus Facebook fans. What kind of fan would you be in? What category would you put yourself in? I, I'm, I would say I'm, I'm probably right in the middle. Um, okay. You know, for the longest time, when, when I was reporting, when I first started reporting for the Blues uh, back in like 2011, 2012, um, I was, uh, totally against using analytics. Um, I thought there's, you know, just watch the game, you know, whatever you, it, it, the eye is the better judge of, of character and of players than the, uh, the, than anything you can read in a stat book. Um, but I will say that, uh, I did meet some people that kind of turned my, uh, turned my head around a little bit there in the press box that, that talked me into analytics and, uh, broke it down a little easier for me because I've I've played my whole life. So mine has always been again. You just you look at the ice. Okay, that guy's that guy looks pretty good. That's the best player on the team. Uh, that guy's driving possession because he's a good player. So now that that I've kind of uh, I'd say 2013, 2014, 2015 really got into more of the analytics side. I use both. I think it's important that uh, you use the eye test, but you also accompany that with any analytics you can use to either further justify or pull you away from your point. Yes, I think there should be more analysts like that. Uh, because again, I am 100% in the middle that you need, yes, the analytics can tell you a lot of things that maybe the eyes don't. And I think sometimes as far as like character and stuff goes and it's whole like input versus output and all that kind of stuff like grit heart character those are all inputs that will give you the advanced stats but i also think that there are some intangibles out there and i think there definitely needs to be a mixture of both and so that was one thing i wanted to ask you one other question i always like getting uh jets perspectives uh, or perspectives on the jets from a different fan base and for people who watch them casually, because I feel like we're kind of in a bubble sometimes here in Manitoba. There are a lot of people who follow the team closely, who watch these guys on a regular basis. So they form different opinions than people who watch casually. What are your thoughts on Patrick Line? Oh, he's, he's scary. First of all, I mean, I'll just, uh, you know, state the obvious that um, as an opponent, a, a, a fan of a team, that's the opponent of the jets. 
Uh, Patrick Laine is a guy that, um, I mean, maybe not at the Ovechkin level. I mean, he's pretty close, but um, I think he's probably one of the best marksmen in the NHL. Um, you give him any time and space at all, he's going to burn you. Um, I would say that I would like to see a little bit more from him five on five. I, I think his analytical numbers are fine, uh, if I can remember correctly. But uh, I think he relies a little bit too much on the power play to get the job done. Um, I'd like to see him be a little bit, because he's got the creativity. We've seen it. Um, you watch some of his old tape from when he was uh, a younger man. You saw a lot of creativity in his game, and I think it's there. It's just not being utilized the way that, uh, that, that you'd like it to. So I don't know if you agree with that assessment, but um, I think he's one hell of a power play player and a guy that you can build a team around. Yeah, no, that's pretty fair. And my opinion kind of comes and goes some days, depending which game I just watched of him. But it's he is kind of a frustrating player, I think, for a lot of hardcore Jets fans because in and we know all these numbers because we get these numbers repeated to us over and over and over and over again. He had 18 goals in the month of November. And last year he had there were he would go like 30 games with one, two goals total. Mm-hmm. And he had 18 in November. And so when you look at his overall goal totals from 2018-19 season, yes, they were down slightly from the previous two seasons. But you say, oh, he still had over 30 goals. Oh, that's still a really good season for the player. Well, if you take away the 18 that he had in November, one unbelievable month, his numbers were very pedestrian. And so... And a lot of those times, it's what he's doing away from the puck. And so we often complain about his board play, uh, his play in his own zone, breaking out from the wall. Ugh, is mm. it's pretty tough to watch. When he gets the puck on his stick in the offensive zone, you sit up in your seat, you get excited. But then when he's in his own zone, you kind of grip your seat a little bit tighter. You're like, oh, no, where's he going to cough up the puck? What's he going to do with it? He doesn't really... There's been a lot of criticism of his hustle, of his getting in on the four check, getting involved, getting it just in... But again, he does a great interview. He can put the puck in the net. And a lot of fans still love him. It's just, I'm just curious to what kind of contract he's going to get this summer. And so that's one of our biggest debates right now is how much do you give a guy who's so one-dimensional? And when you look at the Winnipeg Jets, and we talk about this on our show, who would we rather have on our team? Mark Scheifele or Patrick Laine? Both of us, I think, on our show agree. I'd rather have Mark Scheifele. Oh, I am 100% in agreement. I, I, ever since the day he was drafted, I have been a big fan of Mark Shifley's again, division rival, uh, blues fans can, can throw, uh, garbage at me if they see me on the streets. But I think Mark Shifley is a complete player and, uh, oh man, I, I've always been impressed with his game. I love the way he moves the puck. Oh, same. And just the way he's such a complete player, you just trust him out on the ice. He's only continues to get better every year. Patrick Lining again, right now he's just one dimensional, but he's really good at that one dimension. And so it's what do you pay for that? Yep. He's an elite goal scorer, but he's sometimes a liability. He's kind of a passenger. He can't drive a line the way Shifley and Wheeler can. And so a lot of people are like, well, why isn't he on the top line? And that's definitely an argument against Maurice. Why is he not playing with those players? But then sometimes he he kind of needs those players in order to have, because he's playing with Blake Wheeler on the power play. And where's he getting most of his points? on the power plane. So again, that's a whole nother side topic. And again, that's more for my podcast, but it's always just kind of interesting to hear other people's takes on uh, one of our uh, big name players. Yeah. You mentioned uh, the 18 goals in November. I could be incorrect here, but I believe his five goal game was in November against. Yeah, the it was. And that's what helped uh, boost the total. 
Yep. So yeah, you take that there. one game out. That's done. I mean, 13 goals in one month is still good, but uh, that's, oh. yeah, that's, that's quite the difference. And so I actually uh, posed this question to my brother on the po- last podcast, or maybe a couple ones that we did ago. Uh, which would you rather have? And we talked about the Blues. Which would you rather have? Two $5 million players? Because you guys have a handful of them on the Blues. And because heading into this offseason, the Jets have a lot of roster issues that they need to now figure out. Would you rather have two good $5 million players or Patrick Liney making 10 and a fourth liner making less than a mil? That's, I mean, that's the age old question. That's the question right. that GMs battle with all year long. Um, I, for me, I like seeing the dynamic uh, passing between two guys, like, uh, for example, uh, Braden Shen and, and um, uh, Jaden Schwartz have found some great chemistry together. Is watching those, those around 5 million, right? Yes. Those, those, yeah. Yep. So uh, watching those two go to work for me is one of the most exciting things to watch. And uh, when the Blues games are on is when they can skate up the ice and just keep finding each other left and right. Uh, that to me is more beautiful than uh, Tarasenko sniping a, a shot uh, from the left wing boards. You know, it's to me, it's it's all about the puck movement. Uh, so I would say probably the two five million dollar players, because at least you're spreading the wealth. And the other way to look at that too is obviously injury. You know, you have an injury to your $10 million guy, you're screwed. You have an injury to one of your two $5 million guys. Maybe there's a chance you can, you know, play 500, 600 hockey until the other guy comes back. So I would, that, that'd be my vote. Where, where do you uh, lay on that? Yeah, I was kind of like, obviously I don't want to get rid of Patrick line and I don't want to come across as a Patrick line, a hater or anything like that. And I hope we resign him, but it was just something that I had been thinking about lately and seeing the blues and seeing the Bruins both with t- teams make it to the cup final that didn't have that $10 million player on their roster going with a balanced approach and having four lines. I think you need four lines in order to make it to the Stanley Cup final. That, I think, is a given. And so, in your opinion, can you win a Stanley Cup now in today's NHL with a $10 million, $11 million, $12 million player cap hit on your roster? I think I think you can. I think I think you can. I think it's just a matter of, of being creative with the cap. Um, you know, signing guys maybe that, uh, you know, younger guys to their, having them on their entry-level deals or having them on bridge deals. Um, you know, cause again, you look at the blues. Yeah. They've, they've got, uh, O'Reilly and Tarasenko both making 7.5 as their highest paid players. And then you look at what Eric Carlson just got in San Jose, um, which is crazy, crazy contract in my opinion, but that's for another podcast. We'll talk about that with Teal town, uh, over in San Jose. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, it's interesting because I, I think that it can be done. I think you saw it done a little bit there. Uh, a couple of years ago in Chicago and, and maybe even L.A., uh, that they had a good balanced approach, but they still had one of those, you know, the Dowdy or the the Taves or the Kane uh, making a lot of money. I think it can be done. It's just a matter of um, finding the right fourth line guy because, again, I prefer what the Blues and the Bruins had this year. You look at how Oscar Sundquist is a fourth line center, yet – you can put him out there any point in the game and be comfortable. You're not worried. He's not a liability to you out there. And it's the same way with any fourth liner that played in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, I think the Jets have been trying to get closer to that. And I feel when they made their run to the Western Conference final, that was the deepest our team was uh, just with four lines rolling. And I think, yeah, that's that's ultimately necessary is to have at least 
fourth liners you can play up and down the lineup if necessary and can be guys uh, who can contribute. But that's, uh, yeah, that's kind of all I needed to mention as far as I was concerned. Yeah, I love uh, love the the in-depth hockey talk. This is uh, why I do this show. It's nice meeting uh, other guys that, that know their stuff. So uh, this has been awesome. I love having you on. Uh, we'll have to have you on during the season sometime. Cody, maybe bring your brother on too, and you guys could have some sibling fights or something. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sure, sounds good. Uh, hit us up during the season. We'd love to chat. Uh, we love doing this kind of thing, and talking hockey with somebody who knows what they're talking about is a lot of fun. I agree. And uh, it's been great because like you said, and like we mentioned earlier, talking with fans, trying to like reason with them when they don't really have a clue can be challenging. <laughs> yes, yes, it can be. Uh, Cody, you are very, very involved in hockey in terms of, uh, uh, I know, the podcast and, and then obviously what you do. Uh, there is uh, calling for the uh, Portage Terriers, as you told me, uh, the Junior A Club there in Manitoba. Um, make sure you touch on all of that. I want you, I want my audience to be able to find you. Um, obviously any Jets fans that are might be tuning into this episode, um, go ahead and, uh, any, any way they can find you on social media as well as how they can find your work online. Yeah, absolutely. And so if anybody is wanting to uh, listen to any of my games this next season, uh, the Terriers are going to be hosting a national, the national junior A championship for Canada, which is the biggest, uh, championship in junior A hockey in Canada. And so, I will be guaranteed to be there calling those games. Uh, you can listen. Uh, I'm on the morning show here in Portage, 9.20 a.m. Uh, if you're close enough, probably not. PortageOnline.com, listen online, that kind of thing. You can listen to our hockey games uh, throughout the winter on PortageOnline.com. Uh, that's probably the best way to find my work, my day job stuff. Uh, as far as you can find CFRY on Facebook and all that good stuff as well. You can find, uh, as far as uh, Jets go and my Jets coverage, uh, my brother and I are on uh, jetsnation.ca. We are the official podcast of uh, the Jets Nation. There's actually the Nation Network. And so uh, the Nation Network has uh, fan sites in uh, Calgary, in Edmonton, in Toronto. And uh, the list just goes on from there. But we cover the Winnipeg Jets 100%. My brother, uh, Kyle, writes for the team. Uh, any articles labeled KB, that's written by him. And then, of course, the Jets Nation podcast by us, jetsnation.ca. A. And uh, you can also hit us up on Twitter at Jets and Podcast. And we post up our shows there. We're on Anchor FM, iTunes, so many different platforms. But we always tweet out all of our, uh, whenever we have a new episode, giving kind of like a little summary and everything like that. And so uh, we try and put out a podcast once a week throughout the year, generally on Wednesdays, Thursdays, kind of middle of the week. Uh, because coming on the show here today, uh, we've actually bumped our podcast to tomorrow. And so you'll be able to find that tomorrow afternoon. Uh, look for us at Jets and Podcast, and we'll be talking draft and all that fun stuff. And so that's probably the best ways uh, to get a hold of me. And if you want to check us out, uh, if you want any of my MJHL Manitoba Junior Hockey League takes at MJHL underscore Cody B, that's kind of my own personal account. And don't that one doesn't get updated nearly as often, especially during the off season. But uh, yeah, that's kind of what we've got going on, and looking forward to some of these off season talk. Great, and uh, let me ask you this: How many sibling arguments do you guys get in on your show? There's a few. Now that we've done this a few years, uh, there was a few where we get a little bit heated because he's a little bit more analytical and I'm a little bit more of the the heart. And so sometimes I just take the strong stance one way and the other. Jen, it gets not bad. Fairly, a little heated sometimes. Generally, we're we're pretty good. Good. Yeah, I was gonna say I I've gotten a couple arguments with my co-hosts, and uh, you know we're not even siblings, so I can imagine what it's like for you two. 
yeah, no, it's uh, it's not bad. It's fun. It's good doing it with uh, doing the podcast with him. Just we can keep in contact, and it keeps us uh, close together. You know, ch- chatting all the time, and it's it's good. We I love it. Awesome. Well, Cody, this has been great. I really appreciate you coming on again. We'll have to have you on sometime during the season. Uh, good luck to the Jets this off season, and good luck to you and uh, your coverage of the uh, Portage Terriers. Thanks. Uh, appreciate it, and thanks for having me. Well, I again, want to thank Cody for coming on, and I don't only want to thank Cody. Uh, with this being the last Let's Go Blues Radio Behind Enemy Line series, all 30 episodes are now posted. I am not going to list them individually because that would take way too long. Uh, I want to thank all the guests and everyone who has contributed to keep the party going over the summer. This has been a lot of fun to do. I've mentioned before that it's been a lot of work, and you know I know you can imagine, but it's it's been awesome. I've had a lot of fun doing this, talking with all the different people from across the league, people that are fans of the other teams that have maybe covered other teams for, you know, uh, the media and and mainstream media, non-mainstream media. It's been so much fun to to do this. And and it's kind of like, you know, every now and then in the summer, you know, you get those hockey doldrums of, you know, and I'm sure everybody else did uh, this year of, oh man, I just, you know, I wish there was games on. I wish there was something going on. I didn't get that at all this summer. It, um, Maybe part of it's because this team won the cup, but I think a lot of it was just the fact that I kept this going. I was able to talk hockey constantly, and uh, it's just been a lot of fun. So, again, I want to thank everyone. And if you are sitting there wondering, you know, hey, there's a certain episode I want to hear. Maybe you missed the Dallas Stars episode. Maybe you missed the Buffalo Sabres episode, and you're a Sabres fan. I am going to post on Twitter uh, probably this, uh, probably a couple hours after this episode posts I'm going to list, it's going to be a long thread of uh, every episode that that's part of this series, and it's going to have uh, the social media channel for the person that was interviewed, as well as a link uh, to that episode on letsgobluesradio.com. Obviously, you can find it uh, all these episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Sp- uh, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find all these episodes on there, so that'll make it a little easier for you. But again, if you're like you you know you're just sitting at work and you know oh, I'd like to listen to that episode that I missed, you know I, I'll I'll have the link there on Twitter. So um, and then I'll obviously follow these people too. Um, again, I've said this before, everyone that I've interviewed, I I checked many times. I, I checked over, I listened to the shows, I, I read their blogs uh, to make sure I was getting somebody who knew what they were talking about. So all these people are very knowledgeable hockey people. So I recommend following every single one of them if you want. Maybe just a couple from certain teams that you follow. Um, it's been great, and I, I I appreciate every single person that has come on for this. And you know, it it took taking time out of their day and doing this. It's been great. And I I've said this uh, I think uh, randomly before uh, to Kurt and Bill, uh, maybe during one of our live shows. It is interesting. I've had a f- good amount of people that have told me, yeah, I'll come on. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll be there. And then they just radio silence. Uh, can't get them to answer emails. If they had their phone number, they, could, they wouldn't answer texts or phone calls. Um, and they wouldn't uh, uh, email, I mean, anything. Uh, Twitter messages. And it, was, it got to be very, very frustrating sometimes. And, and I'll be honest, the Boston Bruins, I couldn't find anybody for that episode. And, you know, not to say that, Drew came on and, you know, was like, oh, it's just last resort. It was that I had reached out to every podcast 
of the Bruins thinking, oh, okay, you know, podcasters, you know, maybe they'll be able to find a little more insight because those people are a little more used to talking, you know. But luckily I found Drew, and Drew did a fantastic job. But it took so many contacts and, and reaching out to different people that that work around the Bruins and just get me anybody. And finally somebody said, hey, did you try Drew Johnson from the Hockey Riders? And I went and read his stuff, and I said, holy cow, yeah, I probably should get that guy. So it was hard and arduous at times, but again, uh, the people that I ended up getting for each episode – Oh, just it's been great. And and I think, you know, the responses I've gotten from people who are listening to most of the episodes or all of them, people like Kim, who wrote in earlier, um, it's just it's been so cool to hear. And, and the people are, are really interested. Um, when I posted the Blackhawks episode, I had people reaching out. Oh, man, get that out. Get that out quick, you know, because I want to hear it. And it's just cool because, you know, I, I wouldn't do this if people weren't listening. You know, if, if this was just very few people listening and you know our numbers were a fraction of what we get for our live shows honestly i wouldn't have done it but the episode numbers are are great the downloads are great people are listening and it's just uh i can't say enough how much i appreciate people tuning in for this um and it's 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 made all the work worth it so thank you everybody for listening and um let's go ahead and start wrapping this up i guess uh twitter handles for the show uh, Twitter uh, for Let's Go Blues Radio is at LGB Radio. Kurt Price is at Kurt Price. That's Kurt with a C. Bill Day is at Billy Blue Note. And myself, Jeff Ponder, can be found at jponder94. So in terms of our next show, we have not narrowed it down exactly with the home opener being on a Wednesday. That uh, kind of makes it difficult for us because that's typically when we like to record our live shows. I'm thinking Tuesday night is probably going to be where we go. We may do a post-game show on Wednesday, but something tells me it's going to be Tuesday night. Uh, Stay tuned to us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and uh, we will let you know when the next show is. I wish I had an answer for you right now, but, uh, you know, things are still kind of in the air as to what's the best option for us. But I'm thinking Tuesday night. And if you want to tune in live, uh, it's on YouTube. And, again, follow us on social media. We'll post all the links everywhere to make sure you find us. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, at 9 o'clock, 9.15, 9.30-ish, somewhere in there, we uh, we post live. And YouTube commenters come on, and uh, we have a great time. We always have a great time with the people that tune in live. So if uh, you're ever interested in checking that out, we'd love to have you. It's, it's a very fun little open forum we have with the people that, uh, that tune in, and uh, we interact with them. And... If there's time, we uh, we open it up to listeners as well to come on and talk to us. But uh, I will admit, lately it's been a little difficult to do that because our shows run long. But uh, now, again, we we love having you. So if you want to tune in for one of our live shows, uh, just follow us on social media. Well, again, that will conclude this episode and this series. I want to thank everybody who's been involved. I want to thank Kurt and Bill for allowing me to kind of run with this thing over the summer. Kurt's provided me some insight on how to do all the back-end work for it, uh, just like he did last year. Um, so it's just, it's it's great, and I, I just thank you, everybody. I, I can't say that enough, and uh, thank you for listening. Thank you to all my guests, and until next time, everyone, let's go Blues. 
play Gloria one more time. Thanks for listening to the Hockey Show Blues Report of the Week. Have a great day. Play dance. I'm rocking and 